Welcome to Pale Blue Pod, the astronomy podcast for people who are overwhelmed by the universe but want to be its friend. It's true. I am Kring Caputo, a writer and a funny person, and I am so excited to be here. Yes, me too. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Moya Mctier. I'm an astrophysicist and a folklorist and a good friend to the universe, but today... Today, everyone, we are talking about space, don't you worry, but we're also conducting a bit of an anthropological study. Mm-hmm. We, <laughs> we're doing some ethnographic field work. Today, we are recording live from <laughs> Santa's workshop in the North Pole. We did it, guys. We got in. We infiltrated. Um, <laughs> we are here among the elves. They are doing their, their preparations. We have yet to see the big Saint Nick himself, but um, <laughs> we're here trying to figure out why. Does Santa hibernate when it's not the holiday yeah. season? Does Does Santa go on vacation? We don't know, but we are here to figure it mm-hmm. out. We're going to get to the bottom of all of this. Yes. Um, but we need to uh, spend a lot of time here. Part of ethnography is, is just immersing yourself in the space and letting things happen around you. So we will let things happen around us. But while we do that, we're going to be continuing our conversation from last week about the constellations, this time focusing on constellations in the northern sky, which mm-hmm. is the part of the sky that Corinne and I are most familiar with. That was what I was going to ask if you could please confirm for me that these are the ones that I probably know best. <laughs> yes. Yes, I can. Absolutely. So we here at the North Pole can see all of the northern constellations and none of the southern constellations. Although uh, you and I, Corinne, have spent our lives in the mid-northern latitudes, mm-hmm. like between uh, 40 and 50 degrees north. And so we are going to be familiar with these northern constellations, but we can also see some of the southern constellations. We've we've talked about like the, the coordinates in right ascension and declination. So we yes. understand that people in the northern hemisphere can see some southern constellations and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But these are the ones that you grew up with. I love them. Do you have any other lingering questions about constellations? Anything that, that's come up between last week's recording and now? Great question. Mostly what I was thinking about was the travel logistics of how we got from the Sydney Opera House to here, but I'm but we did it. We and did it. And it was it was exciting and thrilling and exhausting and we made it. <laughs> we we did. <laughs> that was part of our uh, we had we applied for a grant to do this anthropological mm-hmm. study uh, and we did include a line item for travel. Yes, and you have to do that. If you're listening and you are filling out some kind of grant, you need to be including that. Something very luxe, very Mm -hmm. cozy. Yeah, that shouldn't come out of your own pocket. No, never. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, well, if you have no lingering questions, then let's just jump right in to talking about some constellations. Uh, Because we, we... touched on the 52 southern constellations in last week's episode. If you do the math, uh, today's episode is about the 36 northern constellations. But I do want to talk about this transition zone, the middle, like what's what's going on there. Uh, so there are equatorial constellations and there are ecliptic constellations. Uh, The equatorial constellations are the ones that seem to straddle the celestial equator. Remember from our our brief discussion about coordinate systems in astronomy, that the celestial sphere is just like our latitude-longitude system projected up onto the night sky. So the celestial equator is just directly above our Earth 
equator, um, mm-hmm. and there are 15 constellations that seem to straddle that line. And we talked about some of them in last week's episode. So Aquarius, uh, Eridanus, Hydra, Ophiuchus, Serpens, Sextons, and Virgo. And Canis Minor, I think we talked about last week. But there's also uh, Aquila, Cetus, Leo, Monoceros, Orion, Pisces, Serpens, and Taurus. Uh, mm. Those are the, the northern constellations, on the, like just on the northern side of that line. So there are 15. But there's another line that we think about in astronomy, and that is the line that follows the sun as it seems to move across our sky over the over the course of a year, and that line is called the ecliptic. Um, And so all of the zodiac signs are along the ecliptic, which means it looks like the sun passes between us and them over the course of the year. Um, They are the 13 zodiac signs. I'm not going to list them all, but I will say that there are six signs. There are six constellations that overlap. So there are six signs that are on the equator and the ecliptic. And so there's, there's overlap. Mm-hmm. Both like Virgo, Aquarius, mm-hmm. Leo, Pisces, and Taurus. Those are the ones that overlap in both. Some of the best ones. Sure. I know Some nothing the- about these. <laughs> I have no clue. But they all they all seem nice. That is true. They do <laughs> they all, all seem, seem nice. nice. Remember last week we talked a bit about how. Some of these constellations are really modern, like there's microscopium and telescopium, and then others have these these ancient myths associated with them and all these cool stories. Yeah, yeah. That is because some of the constellations that the IAU put on their official list do come to us from mythology and folklore of older cultures. Uh, More than half of the modern constellations were known to ancient Greeks, and they were written down and described by one Greek astronomer named Claudius Ptolemy, Although I am in my Fate and Fable show, which is a a YouTube show I do about uh, world mythology, my host, uh, her parents' in-law, her in-laws are Greek, and she told me that it is supposed to be pronounced Ptolemy. Like, you're (gasps) supposed to pronounce the P. I have always pronounced the P in my head, but that is like kind of like a childhood thing about pronunciation where I just read it very literally. Yeah, I always thought that the P was a silent one. Yeah. I was taught that. So now I'm just confused. <laughs> so I'm covering my bases by saying Ptolemy and Ptolemy. Mm-hmm. But it was this one Greek astronomer who identified 48 of our modern constellations. And he did that around the year 150. Whoa. I know. <laughs> so Before long. email. So, yeah, Corinne. Before anything. <laughs> yeah, Corinne. It was before email. Just, just a bit. Just skated under. <laughs> um, so back in 150, Ptolemy wrote about these 48 constellations in a book called The Almagest. And only one of those 48 constellations didn't make it into the IAU's official list. All the others made it in? All the others made it in. That's so cool. Yeah. And you kind of touched on it in last week's episode. Um, So 
all of the all of the parts of the Argonaut ship. Um, you oh, even gave one so of them parts. an award. Yeah, so there was the keel that was Karina. There mm-hmm. was Vela, which was the the sail. Uh, Puppis, which is like mm-hmm. the the poop deck, and then there was one other thing, the compass maybe of yes, the boat. Yes, the compass. Uh, all four of those constellations used to be combined into one mega constellation called Argo Navis. Uh, which was was the Argonaut ship. And I think that's why my friend, my rugby yes. teammate, who asked me about that tattoo, she wanted the Argo Navis constellation, yep. but that was the only one that didn't make it from Ptolemy's book. That's so funny. <laughs> so it got it I got love split a up. mega constellation. Mm-hmm. I want the constellation to take up the sky and be like a full piece. Mm, Yeah. Um, So for anyone who's keeping score at home, Corinne is pro-mega constellation, but anti-mega structure. I am anti-mega structure. Just so we're clear. But I am (laughs) pro-bad movies about mega structures because that is so fun to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm glad we clarified that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm also down for for a mega constellation. Not super helpful when you're thinking about splitting up the sky into manageable chunks. But but I've never been one for manageable goals. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's never been my thing. (laughs) Let's shoot for the moon and then get so overwhelmed we don't do a thing. Corinne, that is how I know you're not a Capricorn. (laughs) I think we're going to get to my sign today, Mm -hmm. or we must, because we didn't get to it last time. Exactly, we will. Uh, And so those are the 48 constellations that the Greeks could see, but they could not see the entire sky. There was a big chunk of southern sky that they could not see. Uh, And so a lot of those constellations were just not incorporated into the IAU's list, which is really unfortunate. Mm -hmm. A lot of our modern astronomy is so dominated by Greek astronomy. And we have talked so many times on on the show about how the Greeks really just borrowed from the Egyptians and the Babylonians. So they were not as influential as modern scientists would lead you to believe. Um, But I do want to talk a bit about what ancient cultures thought of stars in general (laughs) because they did not always know that stars were big balls of gas fusing hydrogen in their course you know like that Mm -hmm. we learned that recently and so even though a lot of cultures were looking at the stars and connecting them into significant and often informative constellations or asterisms, uh, they they had their own ideas about what those stars were. And so like some Maori uh, in New Zealand thought that the stars were the souls of their lost heroes and brighter stars were the heroes who had killed more people, more enemies in their lives. Uh, The Iberians in Spain thought that the stars were nails that were hammered in to hold up like the fabric of the night sky, which is beautiful. I love as that. An image. Obsessed with that. There's a Greek philosopher who really thought and, and wrote a lot about how stars were candles that were lit by gods every night and then blown out every morning. A lot of work. Uh, a lot of work. A lot of work. Other, uh, so many other Greeks like Homer thought that the stars were pulled by chariots across the sky. Um, there were people who thought that the moon and the sun made the stars uh, like as 
babies, that they were the star's parents. There were some people who thought that the moon and the sun lived here on Earth. The Karanga people of South Africa thought that the stars were the eyes of recently deceased people. Uh, there are other groups in Southern Africa who thought that the stars were the souls of people who did not yet want to be born, which is like the other side of that coin. And Ooh. so there are just so many beautiful images of stars in different cultures. And um, I just, I really like hearing about them. I love the history of it because we, as long as humans have existed, have had the night sky. And I find that very like comforting, mm. which I think before this podcast would have been very like overwhelming. Um, but it reminds me of a Pixar short called La Luna, which is on Disney Plus or whatever. And it's like a grandfather, a father, and a son. And I don't want to spoil it, but they work on the moon, and it is very sweet, Aww. and I loved it. Oh, okay. And it's a short, so yeah. it won't take up time. I'll look it up. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to talk about that, because I don't think we have on the yes. show yet, but it, it needed to be mentioned, because they're, they're just mm -hmm. cool, cool stories. Yeah. Um, but now, unless you have other questions, Corinne, I think it's time to list the, the northern constellations. I'm ready. I'm thrilled. Okay. Like I said, there are 36 of them, and they are also split up into quadrants, just like the Southern uh, Hemisphere constellations. And so here in the Northern Hemisphere, from October to January, the stuff that is in like the darkest part of the sky and the darkest part of night will be uh, Andromeda, which is the, the constellation named after a mythical princess. And if you look it up, they will say Ethiopian princess. There is a very long storied history of Ethiopia and what people have called Ethiopia at different moments in time. Uh, mm -hmm. Suffice it to say, most likely not the actual modern day Ethiopia. Like that's probably okay. not okay. what got incorporated into this ancient Greek myth. But Andromeda, mm -hmm. the mythical princess, uh, who was tied to a stone and basically sacrificed to a sea monster. Ugh. Actually, many of the characters from that story are in the constellation. So I'll point those all out. Uh, there's Ares, the ram, Cassiopeia, the queen, that's Andromeda's mom. Mm -hmm. There's Orion, the hunter, my personal fave. Famous. Anyone who has ever seen me in public, not in the dead of winter, knows how much I love Orion. I am excited to say that there's a chance Orion is winning an award later today. <gasps> Ooh. So stick around and find out. <laughs> okay, good, because I, I didn't want to give Orion an award because I, I had to recuse myself. Mm -hmm. Really? Maybe potential bias, mm -hmm. I understand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there is Perseus, the Greek hero, from the Andromeda story. So Perseus mm -hmm. um, unchained Andromeda from the rock. Good guy. There's Pisces, the two fishes. <gasps> yes. Uh, there's Taurus, the bull. And there's Triangulum, the triangle. Didn't we have a Triangulum in the Southern Hemisphere? Yes, but that was the little triangle. Right. Trianglini. <laughs> I wish that was the the little southern triangle, le petit, <laughs> le petit triangle. <laughs> so that's October to January. What about uh, January to April? Okay, January to April, we have Origa, Origa, A U R I G A, the charioteer. Yeah. Origa, yeah. I love a chariot. Um, we have Camelopardalis, the giraffe. Mm. Mm -hmm. We have Cancer, the crab. Love, love it. We have Canis Minor, the little dog. Oh, I think we had Major last week. All the dogs are separated. I know. Maybe they're looking for each other. Wait, maybe when the little dog's on an adventure. That's mm, all. Okay. 
I'll take that. They'll be reunited one day. <laughs> um, we have Gemini the twins. Shout out to my twin brother. Lots of pears in the Northern Hemisphere. Lots of pears, yeah. Uh, we have almost a pair coming up. We have Leo the lion and then Leo minor, the little lion. Oh, Leolini. <laughs> um, we have Lynx, which I assume is a Lynx. It's just a Lynx. Super creative name. Well, there's an X in it, so it's like an inherently creative name. And like, <laughs> They're like, this one is, is like, weird enough. enough. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. Next. Okay. <laughs> we have Monoceros, the unicorn. Great. I assume that name is... The one-horned. Yeah, yeah. one-horned. Mm -hmm. And then Ursa Major, the big bear. That's a famous one. Is that what the Big Dipper is? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And then the Little Dipper is in Ursa Minor. Ursa Minor. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, Those are just pots and pans to me. <laughs> Hi, it's Corinne. Welcome to this episode's mid-break. Moya is investigating where we can get the magical hot chocolate we've heard so much about. So in the meantime, I want to give a shout out to our patrons. I especially hope that our sun-like stars are having an amazing time wherever they are. Thank you to Sharn Llewellyn, Lissa, and Peyton. And you can support us, hear your name on this pod, and make it to our patron star chart all by supporting us on Patreon for just about a dollar per episode. Find the star chart, Patreon info, and more at our website, palebluepod.com, or by going right to patreon.com slash palebluepod. And if you can't support us financially, that's totally fine. We love you very much. You are still space. Another great way to support us is to share the show with your friends. And you can leave us a rating and review wherever you get your pods. Okay, back to the workshop. Bye. All right, but next up in the third quadrant from april to july you can see buotis the herdsman and canis venatici uh, which is the hunting dogs buotis hunting dogs actually Aww. then there's coma berenices which is uh, berenices hair berenice was an egyptian queen and there's a story like kind of it's giving gift of the magi to me where she like gives mm -hmm, up mm -hmm. her hair in a selfless act so that's coma berenices there's corona borealis which is the northern crown we talked about uh the southern crown mm -hmm. in last week's episode draco the dragon very long stretched out constellation actually which makes sense because dragons have those long tails there's hercules Famous. That's just Hercules. There's Serpens, the serpent. There's Ursa Minor, the little bear. Oh, good. Okay, so the, the two bears are in the are in the same sky. That's yeah, nice. good. Okay, so this would take us from July to October? No, but Leo's not in here, and that's when my birthday is. So you can you actually, this is the confusing thing, you cannot see your zodiac sign on your birthday because it's on the other <gasps> right, side of the sun. because it's on the sun. Mm -hmm. Right, right, okay. Damn. Sorry, everybody. Okay, back to it. We have Aquila the eagle. Nice. Like like the bee. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Aquila and the bee. Oh. This one is spelled A-Q-U-I-L-A for mm -hmm. any curious Googlers out there. I've heard Aquila and also Aquila. Aquila. Okay, Cephas King, Andromeda's father. Mm -hmm. Another character in the story. Yeah, they got the whole myth represented. That's very fun that they're all up there. Um... Cygnus the swan. Beautiful. Delphinius the porpoise. <laughs> oh, I, I never would have guessed that a porpoise was in mm -hmm. the constellations. And not not the dolphin. It's and not Delphinus yeah. the no, dolphin. No. It's no, no. Delphinus the porpoise. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we have Equileus, the little horse. Mm-hmm. La, uh, La Certa, the lizard. Lyra. The the liar. The, <gasps> rude. Rude? Why is that rude? To lie. To me. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> the liar, like the old instrument. Oh. Like the string instrument. Aw, I wanted yeah. it to be juicy. <laughs> asterism is actually just Pinocchio. <laughs> okay, actually still rude because I'm thinking of people who like take out an instrument at a party. Mm. <laughs> Put that away. That's um, uh, Orpheus in uh, in Greek mythology would play his lyre and was uh, this mortal who was right. such a good musician. And mm-hmm. I think I had a school assignment. Eventually was beheaded by a bunch of uh, people complaining that his songs were too sad. Oh my god! <laughs> That is so sad. He lost his wife and then was singing sad songs and then was beheaded and then his lyre was put into the sky. Wow. That is not the response to someone who's grieving. Wrong. Mm -hmm. More rude. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That takes us to Pegasus. Iconic. Mm -hmm. Um, Sagita. Sagita. The arrow. I feel like it's Sagita because it's Sagittarius. Okay. And then Volpecula, the fox. Ooh, that's a name. Volpecula. That word has such good mouthfeel. Yeah. Volpecula. It does. There's just like a robust history there. You can <laughs> feel it. Like, what is this fox up to? Yes, this sly fox. It does feel evil. Mm. It does feel sly. Feel sly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so those are all of the 36 northern constellations, including, again, Buotis, northern constellation. But we have given uh, <laughs> we've given more awards. Corinne, let's let's hear your first award. I am so excited. The most valuable object award is going to go to Corona Borealis, the northern crown, Ooh. because you can see it in a museum and you're not allowed to touch it. But would be nice if you could put it on. Corinne, what do you think this crown looks like? I did look it up, and the actual, like, <laughs> like the stars, if you're connecting the lines, boring. But of in course. my head. Yeah, in your head, <laughs> in what is this head, crown? Okay, I'm of two minds, because my childhood version of this crown would be, like, this large, like, whatever Anne Hathaway wears in The Princess Diaries would be mm. exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. But me today, just, like, a simple gold band or something in my hair is probably what I would wear. Ooh. I, I like but that. But for it to be valuable, it has to have probably all those gems and stones. Uh, but I do, like, something can be valuable and understated, and I, I like that. So true. Mm-hmm. Solid gold. Mm. It weighs 400 pounds. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, like, the difference between old royalty crowns and new royalty crowns. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> all right. Yes, most valuable. My first award for the Northern Hemisphere constellations goes to the constellation with the most superfluous letters. And that goes to Aquilius. Aquilius? Yes. There are too many U's. It needs fewer U's. (gasps) There are three U's. You don't need that that many. That is way too many. That's more U's than any of the others have. Very old-fashioned. They did just fine without all of them. Yeah. I would be pronouncing it the same way, I think, if it had one less mm-hmm. U. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's my fault. Maybe <laughs> this is the uh, the shame certificate for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> too many letters. Too many. Too many. Go back. Try again. Um. Okay, the Corinne Award for <laughs> Constellation that is mine goes to Leo the Lion. <laughs> Yay! 
I love that there have been two Corinne Awards. Yeah, you have to give them out. Mm-hmm. There's the, the Corinne Award for sounding the most like your name and the Corinne Award for being yours. Deeply Leo of me to be doing this. <laughs> Look, I put Capricorn in, so I can't. That's so true. Yeah. My second award goes to uh, the constellation with the most disappointing pronunciated name. And it goes to Buotis. 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 I really, yeah, it's, I get it. Mm-hmm, it's spelled B-O-O-T-E-S, and I want it to be booties. I want it to be booties so it bad. It should be booties. I love it booties. It should be. But it's not. It's Buotis. Buotis. That is not as fun. It is the most disappointing pronunciation. Exactly. But this is not a shame certificate. This is actually an award no. because it's, uh, I think it's nice that it is um, just denying us you our simple pleasures. You want to get shocked and surprised. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buotis is the constellation that hosts the brightest star in the northern sky, uh, Arcturus, which I can see from New York. I saw it last night. Uh, it is the brightest star in the asterism, the main asterism in Buotis. I almost also gave Buotis an award for funniest name, <laughs> and I didn't. And I'm glad I didn't because that was because I thought it was booties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it got an award anyway, so all's well. And, and I'm happy to see it not go home empty-handed tonight. <laughs> okay, the Icon Award. I think we all know who's getting this. It's Pegasus. It's Pegasus, yeah. Congratulations, Pegasus. It is one of the most dramatic looks um, for an animal to have, and I love it. Huge wings, white, white, like, mm. horse look, um, flowing hair. I'm picturing Pegasus always in the sky, too. Naturally. Yeah. That's its mm-hmm. natural habitat, yeah. And if you just Google image Pegasus, every image is like drama, like romance novel cover of like flowing hair, beautifully lit, the sun is setting. Mm-hmm. A truly iconic silhouette. You know how horses can't like sit down, like they're, like they're always standing? <gasps> I feel like a Pegasus should always be flying. Moya, I never thought about that and I feel so sad for them. <laughs> Sitting is one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> um, but speaking of always flying, this is a small tangent for Head, Heart, Gut, which is the Multitude Collective's member-only, like, exclusive debate podcast. I'm recording a Head, Heart, Gut tomorrow. It's about birds, and I am debating that the albatross is the best bird. And <gasps> they spend years without touching land. They're just what? always, they are, they are always flying. Scientists think they can fly while they sleep. What? Because they only come back to land to mate. They never need a break? I can't imagine this. I don't know. Wow, I'm so impressed. Yeah. Good for them, I guess. So I feel like it's possible for a Pegasus to do it, is what I'm saying. Yeah, you're so right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm, I would like to give out the next award. This is the probably, potentially, maybe sort of oldest constellation award. This goes to Taurus, which uh, we think is the oldest named constellation. We can trace it back to Babylonians. Uh, We know that they had constellations like the bull. We know they had the crab um, because they could also see those things. And then they, they got adopted by the Greeks and then the Romans. But in the 
Epic of Gilgamesh, there's a really important story, which is the like the big epic poem from Mesopotamia and from um, mm-hmm. the region where Babylon was. And there's this big story in the Epic of Gilgamesh about the bull of heaven and like fighting the bull of heaven. And so that would have been represented in the sky oh. as the Taurus constellation. Um, and then we have archaeological evidence from France, from these caves uh, called the Lascaux Caves from about 17,000 years ago. And they had paintings in them. There are these old cave paintings that depicted uh, a bull and some other animals. And anthropologists thought that they were depicting hunting animals. But then later on, scientists tried to line up the cave paintings with what the sky would have looked like 17,000 years ago, which we can do. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have software that can like rewind the clock in that way. And it lines up. The way back machine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The the, internet archive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, the the paintings on the cave line up with where the Taurus constellation would have been 17,000 years ago. And so uh, we can't be sure, but we think that Taurus is the like longest surviving constellation. Oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Especially since they've all changed like so much. Um, it's cool mm-hmm. that one has survived. It like is such a like an intimate way of connecting with old humans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not just mm-hmm. looking at the same stars, but seeing the same shapes in those stars. Yeah. Yeah. Like that has sure. survived thousands of years. Like it's, it, it boggles my mind. Like there's like what other piece of information has survived in the human experience for 17,000 years? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, my next award is not going to give you the feels like that one. <laughs> this is the scariest award. <laughs> and it goes to <laughs> Ursa Minor because oh. Ursa Minor's a little bear and here's here's why that's so scary. <laughs> if you see just a little bear, you have to get out of there. You got to go because mother bear could be somewhere nearby and you're in the way. That is such good survival advice. <laughs> and that goes for anyone. May- that might be the second oldest piece of information is if you see just one little bear, you got to go. Run. That is so smart because you're right. Seeing a mama bear, like if they're alone, they're probably it feels bad. not. Yeah, scary, but like not not the worst thing ever. If right. you just see the baby bear. Mama's Mm-mm. close and wants you far away from her baby. And you're the problem. Yeah. Yep. Wow. That was some really insightful advice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you to the bears, most of all. <laughs> Thank you, bears. Next, I'm giving out the most undervalued award, and that goes to the Sagitta constellation. Sagitta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sagitta is the arrow. Um, there's a Sagittarius constellation, and it gets a, a lot of buzz. It's one of the zodiac it signs. And not even is it one of the zodiac signs, but it is It is one of the signs with, like, a, a very established reputation. I feel like I hear a lot of people talking about Sagittariuses as, like, a people, Ooh. you know? But Sagittas over here 
the thing that the archer is defined by, and yet we don't talk about Sagitta. Um, in yeah. mythology, this arrow in particular was supposed to be the one that Hercules shot into the eagle that was eating Prometheus's liver every day. And so Prometheus, mm-hmm. being the titan who brought Earth fire, is like the like the pro-human defender on Olympus. Prometheus gets shot down and and punished and this arrow ends Prometheus's punishment. Like this is the arrow for the people and yet we we never talk about it. So, the most undervalued constellation. Yeah. And congratulations for that award because it's time you got <laughs> some recognition. (laughs) Well, this brings me to my final award, which is People's Sexiest Man of the Year. (gasps) And it does, let me open this envelope, rip, rip, rip. It is Orion. Hey, I very much agree. I very much agree. (laughs) Look, Orion gets to feel me up every day. (laughs) Clearly, I'm interested. I'm imagining, like, a weird kind of romance horror where, like, Orion comes to Earth. If you ever read The Pisces by Melissa Broder, it's, like, a similar idea with, like, a merman who comes to shore. But it's, like, that, but dark. Oh, no. (laughs) He's not who we think he is. Oh. I mean, but that's also sexy. If I'm being being totally honest. Um, Okay, yeah, I I completely agree. Thank you for, for looking out for my boy. (laughs) That brings me to my final award, and this is the award for a truly unique feature amongst the constellations. There aren't aren't a lot, you know, like they're a pretty homogenous group, but there is one constellation that is unique amongst all of them in that it is separated. It is split into two. It is not contiguous, and this is the serpent's constellation. It is wow. the, the snake constellation. And when you look at the map of these regions in the sky, it is split up into two chunks with Ophiuchus, the uh, the serpent holder, in between them. Um, and so it's actually split up into like serpents west and serpents east or something. Wow, cool. Yeah. And uh, that is I didn't know we could do that with them. I feel like we shouldn't <laughs> be able to do what that. I thought. Right, like it like the point of these constellations is to define regions in the sky and you're going to go ahead and and like split yeah. up one of these regions. But okay. Um they, I think that that They have to do one weird thing. They have to do one weird thing and historically that part of the sky in old atlases that show the pictures on top of the constellations, they would show Ophiuchus, who was likened to the Greek figure Asclepius. Um, Asclepius was a healer in Greek mythology, and there's this one story where he kills a snake, and then another snake comes along and puts some... Uh, revitalizing mixture on the dead snake and and it comes back to life and then Asclepius learns from this and is able to bring people back from the dead and so in these old atlases Asclepius or Ophiuchus is shown um, like holding the serpent but the serpent is like behind him 
and and on oh, either side. I've seen yeah. This. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. I guess the IAU was like, "Hey, let's stay true to this old story and split up the the serpent's constellation just because occasionally yeah. they do like to have that nod to mythology." Um, mm-hmm. but it is yeah, it's, it's a cool story and it is unique among the constellations. That's a kind way to put it. <laughs> It is. It is. Um, it is the exception that proves the rule, I guess. Exactly. Um, so yeah, the, thus concludes our second ceremony, our second awards ceremony. Uh, congratulations to all of our winners. Yay. Um, <laughs> ex- except not not to you, the Equulius, the winner of the shame certificate today. Oh, but we <laughs> we have had a lot of opinions, like as we've gone through. <laughs> <laughs> these last couple of episodes, we've had a lot of thoughts. Uh, if we had been in those rooms with the IAU, we, I'm sure, would have had some pushback. So I'm, I'm wondering, how would we have done this differently? Like, if we were coming up with this system, what mm. do you think we would have done different, Corinne? I, I know, for me, I would have included more stories, more constellations that were explicitly from other non-Western dominating cultures. Yes, I think that is mm-hmm. essential, especially because we're all experiencing the same sky. It's so like narrow-minded to be in one culture for it. Yeah, especially when other cultures are older and have like more robust background. Mm-hmm. I think I probably would have thrown in a few more shocking ones, like <laughs> microscopium. <laughs> like, some of the ones that are just very modern. We need a televisionium. Yeah, exactly. It feels so out of place, but what I like about it is that it reminds you that these have been around for a... Like, it's kind of the marriage of old and new. Mm-hmm. And I like that in the sky. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, I... I do enjoy looking at the different shapes, but I feel like maybe it is celebrating gerrymandering too much. I think you brought up an excellent point last week. Uh, You know, we have to practice what we preach. We have to model good behavior. And everyone is literally looking up to the sky. And so maybe if we had more regular shapes, if they were more similar <laughs> in size and shape and not these wacky gerrymandered mm-hmm. uh, animations, then yeah, I think I would have I would have done that. I would have um, not let there be 52 southern constellations and 36 northern. Yeah, that's such a good point. It should be a more even split. And I think that means that there is a lot of room then for some more, for some televisions. Let's get an iPhone mm-hmm. up in the sky. Ooh, iPhonium. Maybe a seltzer. <laughs> iPhonium <laughs> is actually sponsored by Apple and any research done oh my in God. that part of the sky. <laughs> we start branding the sky, selling it. Oh my God. Uh, you know what, Corinne? We're joking, but that might not be far off. I was going to say okay. that does feel like a Black Mirror episode that's actually predicting like six months from now. Oh, no. <laughs> I can see it. Womp womp. <sighs> yeah. Well, next year, then, this award show will be sponsored. <laughs> sponsored. <laughs> I can only hope. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of a good company that I would I would actually want to sponsor it and nothing came to mind. So, nope. Um, but I yeah, don't think that's there can, there's a good one. No, no. If you have <laughs> enough money to sponsor Night Sky Research, you probably aren't good enough company to sponsor Night Sky Research. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So true. Well, on that note, <laughs> on that great positive note, um, I we've talked so much about our favorite constellations for various reasons, and I 
would love to hear about your favorite constellations, listeners. Please reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at palebluepod. Please email us at palebluepodcast at gmail.com. We just want to know, what constellations do you like? Do you have a least favorite constellation? Would you hand out any shame certificates? Who are you giving the shame awards? Yeah. We want to know your constellation thoughts. So please reach out to us and let us know. And if we hear some great responses, we might read them on future episodes. That would be so fun. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that I want to get a hot chocolate while we're here. Mm -hmm. I heard they're pretty good. Yeah, this is uh, the place to get them for sure. You can't miss out. And maybe when we go to the to the hot chocolate cooler, the hot chocolate warmer, um, that's what they have in in this (laughs) office. Uh, Maybe we'll we'll hear some information about the the big guy in red because that's what we're here for. That is why we're here. Mm-hmm. Not for the show. No. <laughs> um, but whatever uh, hot or cold beverage you happen to be consuming right now, remember, you are space. It's true. Bye. Pale Blue Pod was created by Moya McTeer and Corinne Caputo with help from the Multitude Productions team. Our theme music is by Evan Johnston and our cover art is by Shay McMullen. Our audio editing is handled by the incomparable Misha Stanton. Stay in touch with us and the universe by following at Pale Blue Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Or check out our website, palebluepod.com. We're a member of Multitude, an independent podcast collective and production studio. If you like Pale Blue Pod, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. If you want to support Pale Blue Pod financially, join our community over at patreon.com slash palebluepod. For just about $1 per episode, you get a shout out on one of our shows and access to director's commentary for each episode. The very best way, though, to help Pale Blue Pod grow is to share it with your friends. So send this episode, this link, to one person who you think will like it, and we will appreciate you for forever. Thanks for listening to Pale Blue Pod. You'll hear us again next week. Bye. Bye.